I want to, in the next few minutes, preach uh, a message entitled, Words from an Old Soldier. Uh, this is the first time I've always had guest speakers on this day, and uh, so this is my first time speaking on Veterans Day. But turn in your Bibles, if you would, if you brought them, or your tablet or whatever, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, looking at verses 1 through 4 this morning. As you're turning there, at the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, the Great War ends. At 5 a.m. that morning, Germany, bereft of manpower and supplies, and faced with imminent invasion, signed an armistice agreement with the Allies in a railroad car outside of Capigny, France. The, World War, the First World War left 9 million soldiers dead and 21 million wounded, with Germany, Russia, Austria, Hungary, France, and Great Britain each losing nearly a million or more lives. In addition, at least 5 million civilians died from disease, starvation, or exposure. The armistice which was signed ended World War I. This day was first known as Armistice Day. Later, it was changed to Veterans Day. It is a day that has been set aside to honor all veterans, both living and dead, who have served in the military of the United States of America. These men and women are some of my heroes. And I'm serious about that. I'm not just saying that to make a point. They have sacrificed their time, their own wants and needs, even their health, to serve the United States of America. By serving the U.S. of A., they served you and they served me. All gave some, and some gave all. And God bless our veterans today. And I want to personally thank each and every one of you that are sitting in the front pews reserved for you. I want to thank you for your sacrifice. I want to thank you for your service. God bless you. It has also been said, and it is true today, that it is the veteran not the reporter who has given us freedom of press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right and the privilege to vote. And it is the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us freedom of religion. Veterans, it is our privilege and honor to recognize each and every one of you today and to thank you for your service. That being said, I want to turn our attention this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 2, looking at words from an old soldier, the definition really of a veteran when it comes to these men and women who have stood before you today is a person who have served in the military. I'm sure... If, if, if some of you young folks are thinking of joining the military or have questions, you could talk to one of these veterans today and they could give you some good advice. Anthony, it'd be well worth your time to talk to some of these individuals today. Veterans of World War II, all the way up to the Korean conflict, Vietnam and the Gulf Wars, they would probably have an opinion on which branch you should join. Of course, their branch being the best. 
what you need to do to get yourself in physical condition and be prepared for boot camp. <laughs> Mentally, how to prepare yourself, just what to expect, and all the above. It's because of their sacrifice and their service. Well, the passage I'm going to look at today was written by a man who was, if you will, and give me the leeway here, a veteran in the army of the Lord. The Apostle Paul had fought many battles. These battles had been fought for the Lord Jesus Christ, and he no doubt even bore the scars from these fights. And if you read your Bible, you'll see that Paul had been beaten, whipped, stoned, left for dead throughout his years of service. You see, another definition of veteran is a person who has had a long experience in a particular field. The Apostle Paul preached for over 30 years before he was martyred at the hands of Nero, the Roman emperor. He was literally a veteran in the army of the Lord. In other words, he was a person who had a long experience in his particular field. And keep in mind that the Apostle Paul was ending the, the, or nearing the end of his life, and he wanted to pass on some advice down to young Timothy. Timothy, as you know, was a young recruit in the army of the Lord. He was a soldier in God's army preparing for battle. And just as new recruits can get some great advice from seasoned military veterans, some of you who are younger soldiers in the army of the Lord can get some great advice from some of these old veterans in the army of the Lord here today as well. For men and women who have served the Lord Jesus Christ for many years are also great examples to look up to. Now, some can probably tell you about some hard times they experienced in the service of the Lord, but I bet every one of them would tell you, I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. They would do it all over again. That all being said, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust or commit to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. Why? Because he wants to please his commanding officer. The very first thing that Paul wrote to Timothy and said to Timothy was, number one, be strong. Be strong. Now, be strong, not in physical strength, but to be strong. Now, physical strength is a requirement uh, most of the time for, for the U.S. military, uh, but it's not a requirement for the Army of the Lord. To be honest, I have heard, and you could share, most of, your veter most of the veterans today could share horror stories of boot camp. I've talked to veterans about this. Boot camp is meant to strengthen both physical and, physically and mentally, and I'm sure all of our vets here this morning uh, have boot camp stories that they will and probably share this week with their families. But be strong here in 2 Timothy 1. You know, keep in mind, it's not a requirement to be strong in academic strength. However, to move up in the ranks of the military, 
it's better to be smart and educated than, than not, all right? I read of two twin brothers who are both now retired from the U.S. Army as full-board colonels. They, have, they both have master's, master's degrees and both are extremely intelligent. But that's not a, a requirement to serve in the army of the Lord. Now, Paul tells Timothy here to be strong. To be strong in what? To be strong in the grace, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, grace is simply God's unmerited favor, unmerited favor of God. We sing about how amazing God's grace really is. See, God's grace, his unmerited favor is with us through every stage of life. Every battle that we face, his grace is there. Through every trial that comes our way, his grace is there. Through every temptation that crosses our path, his grace is there. See, God's grace is there for the asking. And just like every soldier needs the backing and the support of the U.S. government, we as Christian soldiers fighting in the army of the Lord have the backing of the God who created the universe. We have His grace. We are saved by grace. We are kept by grace. And we live daily by grace. Paul tells Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because God's grace, God's strength comes from no other place outside of a relationship with Christ. By the way, God's grace doesn't come from positive thinking. And it doesn't come from someone sending you positive thoughts on Facebook. I always chuckle when I read the, the posts that say, sending you positive vibes. Would someone tell me what on God's green earth that means? <laughs> sending you positive vibes. Yeah, forget that. Take me out for a cup of coffee or something, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But God's grace doesn't come from Hare Krishna, from Buddha, from Allah. Paul says it's in, in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Now, so many in this world search for strength within themselves. And guess what? You'll never find it. It only comes from, from the Lord Jesus Christ. You only find strength in him. So be strong in his grace. Number one. Number two, entrust or commit. Entrust or commit. Now, entrust or commit can mean several things, but, but the way Paul uses it here simply means to give as a trust to someone. You can read all kinds of definitions, and I can give you all kinds of definitions, but what I simply take from this is, you know something? It just simply means pass it along. The things that God's blessed with you with pass along to others. Now, when you read the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy, you can see all the advice, all the information, all the teaching, and most importantly, the love that Paul had given to Timothy. I mean, he thought of Timothy as a son, as one of his own. He probably longed for the day when he could sit down with Timothy on the streets of gold and just talk. And who knows, they might even be doing that right now. But here in the short time that Paul had left on this earth, he wanted to entrust to Timothy things that he had learned. And then he wanted Timothy to take those things and to pass them on to others. Now, as most of you know, Jill and I are getting older 
but so are you. It was three weeks ago that I celebrated my 61st birthday, and I thought, wow, I am getting old because next week we celebrate 23 years of being the pastors here, and I thought I was only, check this out, 38 years old when I came here. All right, do the math. Some of you have been here that long. How old were you 23 years ago? Take your age minus 23 years. Like, you guys were all young too. All right? And so here we are. Here I am, 23 years later and older. And not only are we getting older, but our parents, who because of sickness aren't with us today, but they're in their 80s now. They too are, if you will, older veterans in the army of the Lord, as well as many of you are. And I am grateful for the things that have been passed down to me by you. I can look across the sanctuary this morning and see so many who have served God faithfully, who are serving God faithfully, who have been faithful to God, who have been faithful to God's church. My hat goes off to you. God bless you because you have been faithful in entrusting to others the things that God has blessed you with. The point I'm trying to make is this room is full of veterans, military veterans, as well as veterans in the army of the Lord. Great soldiers of this country, but also great soldiers of the cross. Great men and women of God who have passed on their knowledge of the scriptures, God's word, the Bible. Honestly, that's why I have always been and always will be a proponent of Sunday school because I get to hear what some of these fellow veteran Christ followers get to share and I get to hear how God's come through for them, how God has met them, how God has been faithful to them all over all these years. I mean, great saints of God, soldiers in the army of the Lord, and I've heard their testimonies and I hear them share and I say, God, thank you for their sacrifice, their service, for their faithfulness, for their example, because they are entrusting or committing to the next generation what God's blessed them with. I've said for years, one of the things that God does for you and me is that God blesses us as we are faithful to him. But that blessing is not for us, it's for others. God blesses us so we, in turn, can be a blessing to others. We are blessed to be blessed to be a blessing to others. And so great soldiers who have made such an impact in my own life. And that's what a soldier of the cross does. Now, as I just mentioned, we're all getting older. And yet, I have to admit, in the economy of things today, I'm not that old. Back 200 years ago, age 50 was an old guy. 200 years ago. But in this day... Good news, maybe I can say it this way, and I don't know if it's going to stick or not, but, but I'm just a middle-aged man, and I could have a lot of years left, only God knows that, because I've done funerals for infants, and I've done funerals for 90-some-year-olds over the years. But I want to tell you something, the things I have learned in these past 60-plus years, I want to pass them on to somebody else. Now, I'm certainly not the strongest, I'm not the smartest but I want to do my best to commit to others what others have committed to me. 
I want to pass it on. And I want to be a blessing to others as others have blessed me and as God has blessed me. And so be strong, number one. Number two, commit or entrust to others. Third thing is this. Number three is endure. Verse three says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The King James Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, the people I have talked to over the years that have been in the military, they've told me it's not easy. Every one of you today would, would say the same thing. I mean, I read about a man in the Marine Corps. He said, it's something I wouldn't take a million dollars not to have done, but I wouldn't take a million dollars to do it again. I'm not sure if that's true, Andrew, or Todd, or others, or Richard, but uh, military, military life, honestly, is hard life. It's a hard life. I bet if I was to ask some of the veterans sitting here today, what's the hardest thing that you have ever done in your life that many would tell us serving in the, in the military? You see, some United States veterans spent days without food or water. Some were captured. Others had been tortured. Some faced hand-to-hand combat. But through it all, they endured, they overcame, they won, they were victorious. You see, we as soldiers of the cross may be called upon to endure hardship just as many have in the past. Now, of all the disciples, John, the beloved, was the only one to die a natural death. He still faced great opposition and great persecution. John, as you recall, was exiled to the island of Patmos, a devil's island. And and, and even missionaries today uh, face great hardships on the mission field. Once again, the challenge, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So be strong, commit to others, endure. And then in verse 4, the old veteran of the cross, Paul, gives Timothy another piece of advice And that is simply this. Number four is stay focused. Stay focused. He says this in verse four. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. The King James Bible reads, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Now, this is what Paul is simply saying. He is reminding Timothy, Timothy, stay focused. Stay focused. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't let things distract you, Timothy. To the church at Philippi, Paul wrote, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.14, we know that verse. But he goes on and says, All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, well, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. And then verse 17 of Philippians chapter 3. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. See, verse 14, as I said, is a very familiar verse to many of us. Paul says that he himself presses toward the mark for the prize of the the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, guys, keep your eyes on the goal. He doesn't let things around him, you know, distract him. And, And verse 14 is a wonderful verse, 
but, but also keep in mind the next three verses that I read. Verse 15 says those who are mature need to be of the same way. Verse 16, he says we need to walk by the same rule as he does. And then in verse 17, if you see someone with the same idea as him, let them along with Paul be an example. Now I believe this has got to be one of the best pieces of advice that Paul gives to you and to me today. Now, just as a soldier in the army of the United States of America must be on guard against those things that would distract him or her from doing their job or duty, we as Christians must be on guard against those things that might come up to distract us from our job, from our responsibility, from our duty to our commander and chief. Why? Because our enemy, the devil is a master at bringing up things in our life to get our eyes off the prize, our eyes off the goal. Back to uh, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, in the same book we're looking at in chapter 2, Paul's all alone in prison. And Paul is getting ready to face the executioner's block. It's his time of greatest need, and he only has Luke there with him. And verse 10 of chapter 4 is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Envision this with me for a moment. They're hungry, they're cold, they're preparing for death, and this is what Paul writes. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas has forsaken me, why? Having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Paul says to not let the things of the world entangle you. Friends, if there is ever a word that God wants to speak to his church today, it is simply this. Church, stay focused. Church, stay focused. Don't be like Demas. Don't let the pull of the world do you in. Stay focused. Even from the author of Hebrews, We are warned to pay careful attention to what we have heard. Why? So we don't drift away. We are not to ignore such a great salvation. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Hold firmly until the end. It's all about staying focused and keeping your eye on the goal. That leads to my final point this morning. Number five, it is simply this, is the goal. Lastly, Paul tells us to please the commanding officer. 2 Timothy chapter 2, last part of verse 4, he says this, he wants to please his commanding officer. Once again, the King James Version Bible says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now there are several men and women here today who have raised their right hand and who have sworn this oath. I, state your name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the uniform code of military justice, so help me God. You have repeated that at one point in time. But friends, I remind us all today 
there is only one supreme commander over all the branches of the United States military, and that is the president of the United States of America. Every single soldier, from the highest-ranking enlisted man to the highest-ranking officer, has sworn an oath to obey the president's orders. And I guess at times that has to be a hard thing to do. But it's also part of being in the military of the United States of America. A discharged officer told a man who was leaving the military after serving in World War II, he says, you are leaving the greatest fighting force ever known to men. Folks, that is our United States military. And the president is the one in charge. I also remind you that next year, in 2024, we are going to vote for our next Supreme Commander, our Commander-in-Chief. And no doubt, it is going to be one of the most important elections of our lifetime. And one of the reasons many, uh, that among many is the fact that the President is in charge of our military. And I urge you now to begin praying. And I urge you, when it comes time to cast your vote to elect the next president, that you would make it a matter of prayer. Because I honestly believe, and I'll just share my opinion right now, not the word, but my opinion right now, is the Middle East would not be in the condition it's in if we had leadership with a backbone to do what is right in this world today. I'll move on. (laughs) Amen. I believe that with all my heart. See, Paul tells Timothy here to do all the things we talked about. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Commit the gospel to others. Endure hardness. Why? That he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier so that we may please the one who has called us. Well, who has called us as Christ followers? That would be the supreme creator of the universe. See, God, Almighty God, is the commander and chief. Jesus tells us in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You see, you have been called, you have been chosen into the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John 12.32 tells us that he is drawing all men to him. Now you have a choice to make. What will you do with that call? Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. When it comes down to it, when you boil it all down, here it is. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What's the whole duty of man? Fearing God and living according to his word. Pretty simple. See, as you sit here today, you have been called into the army of the Lord. And it's your duty to obey the commander. So let me ask you this morning in closing, are you strong in the grace that is found in Christ? Are you committing the gospel to others? Are you enduring hardness? Or have you been in retreat mode? Are you staying focused on what is really important? And finally, Are you answering the call of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because God wants to know today, whose side are you on? His side or man's side? His side or your own side? During the U.S. Civil War, Abraham 
Lincoln was the commander-in-chief for the Union Army, the Union forces. It was a great burden knowing that his orders were going to put so many lives in jeopardy. One morning he met with a group of ministers for a prayer breakfast. And the different ministers spoke about the different needs that, that they must pray for. And, and one of them said, Mr. President, let's pray that God is on our side. President Abraham Lincoln responded, and his response showed far greater insight. He says, no, no, gentlemen, let's pray that we are on God's side. Big difference. In 1951, the old veteran soldier, General Douglas MacArthur, gave a speech to joint session of Congress. And he closed his speech by saying, and I quote, old soldiers never die, they just fade away. I thought about that old battle-hardened soldier of the cross, the Apostle Paul. There in that Roman cell, Paul did die. But 2,000 years later, his words have not faded away. They're just as powerful today as they were when he said, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. May God help us to live for him in such a way that we can say with the Apostle Paul, I fought the good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. May God help every soldier, military-wise, soldier of the cross, be faithful unto God and what God has for us. Amen.